Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, it's been a weird week. It's been a strange week. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why in a minute. I'll tell you why in a minute. But uh, we, 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 we'll do the admin first because that's that's important. It's always important to talk out talk about the lads. SOS Clothing, Save Our Souls Clothing. They're the boys, Stacy and Mark, keeping the lights on. Uh, good lads doing good things. Um, they, and uh, uh, what they're doing for us, if you and you wonderful listeners, if you go to their website, Save Our Souls Clothing. Uh, I think it's forward slash membrane. Uh, and if you use the discount code membrane, that's one uh, one word, you get 15% off, not just of our merch, but across the, the across the store. So what's not to love? It's ethically sourced. It's vegan friendly. They're doing great things, and they've got some new they've got some new lines coming up. Um, and we've even got some we've got some new merch. We've got our own merch, uh, insane in the membrane. If you have a look at that, we've got hoodies and tees. But we've also got uh, we've got we just launched uh, some new merch for our uh, radio show that we do, the Tuned Up Time Machine on Islington Radio. We have now been turned into cartoons, and we now are emblazoned across the front of Save Our Souls, uh, Save Our Souls tea, and it looks bloody great. So get yourselves to the website and go and go and buy us, treat yourself to, to something. It's a great. I, I love those boys, and what they're doing is brilliant. Go along and have a look. Put in the discount code Membrane to get fifty percent off. What's not to love, eh? Good lads doing good things. Thank you, Save Our Souls Clothing. You are good people. Um, yeah, it's been a funny old week uh, because, sadly, my my absolute comedy hero, Norm Macdonald, uh, left us, which I I was so genuinely gutted about. The man, the man was everything to me. He really just I watch his stuff every day. One of the funniest men that's ever walked this earth. Right, it was just funny for funny's sake. There was no no other reason for him to do things. He just wanted to do funny things and see what would happen. But with everything, the man was incredible. His worldview was was next. It was was just next level. Great. And he he had cancer for ten years and he didn't or nine years, nineteen years. He hadn't told anybody. He just was 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 just fighting it quietly and then he and, and then he left us and I'm genuinely gutted that he's gone I, I, I couldn't believe it because you know he's not, he didn't mention it and then that and then, he, and then he died the other day and I was so gutted so you know oh man rest rest in power Norm Macdonald and if you haven't already you should check out his stuff just go on YouTube 
barrel through. There's there's acres of stuff that he's done. His stand-up special, me doing stand-up, is one of the best ones that's ever been released. It's it's sublime. The man's writing was incredible. His comedic brain was was something else. So go and check that out. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, and yeah, I'm genuinely gutted about that. It was a shame, real shame. Um, speaking of YouTube, though, funnily enough, uh, we've got a, we've set up a YouTube channel uh, here at Insane in the Membrane. And what we've done, this week's episode, uh, we've we recorded it, our producer Paul uh, set some cameras up, we've recorded it, and what we're going to do, we're going to give it We're going to give it to our Patreon, so any pa- when you, the Patreon's listening to this, we're going to put the link up for you guys uh, on, on the page, and so, yeah, so you get first dibs at that, so have a look and see what we've been doing. Um, it, it needs, you know, it's our first go at it, but uh, we're going to give it to our patrons to have a look. And uh, yeah, it's just to say thank you again because you guys, again, you're the ones that you help us out. Your, your, you know, your support every week, every every month just, it just does not go unnoticed. And uh, we're going to be doing more things for our patrons as well. Uh, but that's the first one for you guys, a little gift for you. So if you're interested in that, click the link and have a look. You're welcome. Uh, so with that in mind, let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode, uh, we, a, a returning guest, Dr. Soham Das. He's a consultant forensic psychiatrist, and uh, he did such a bang-up job last time he was on. It was so interesting talking to him. Um, he just dropped his line. He was like, how you doing? You know, if you ever want me to come back on, I'd love to come. And we're like, actually, yeah, come on now. So we did it. Um, and we were talking about the the, the, the tragedy that, that happened in Plymouth. We, we, we were talking about that. Um, talking about the the, the, uh, the incels. Uh, incel, I don't know what is it, a movement? movement is it but the but that but it's a subject i've never really talked about before and i don't know much about so we were like right let's talk about that and so we did and it was a fascinating chat with with uh, dr das and uh and yeah you know there's still work that needs to be done you'll hear about it in the episode anyway you know we neither of us really have any answers but i think having these conversations is why we you know why we do this podcast is so these conversations happen um so that's what that's what we that's what we talked about so um yeah so do you know what i've waffled again i do that every time but do you know what let's get on with the episode so coming up in a minute is dr shaham das when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
a podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Insane in the membrane. Um, how's your year been? It's been all right, you know. I've um, obviously been working in the background. I've been trying to expand my media horizons, oh, which yeah. is really hard work, actually, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you know. Uh, yep. It's a lot of effort and a lot of attempting to collabs and reaching out to people. Uh-huh. And a lot of yep, not much yep, coming yep. back. So, yeah, it's <laughs> been fun in some ways, but frustrating in other ways as well. Yeah, it's that. It's that. I mean, it was always the same with comedy. You kind of... Um, yeah, the, the you know you always just sort of get sort of get used to the you were, it was always going to be some someone would go thanks but no thanks and you kind of had to sort of get used to it yeah uh, and and then you get used to it and then it, and then those <laughs> uh, and then that becomes less and less more people go oh yeah yeah come into this and now we're like you've just said we're into a, uh, a whole new world and so yeah. we're back to square one where it's all the yeah I don't know well yeah maybe later on but not now and you know you know what I don't even mind the thanks but no thanks it's when uh, you don't even get replies from people get silence <laughs> yeah get ghosted that's the there's worst. a yeah there's a <laughs> it does make me laugh there's a few there's a few people I've reached out to that have mentioned uh, mental health and want and want, wanting to do more about mental health. Yeah. And so I've reached out and gone, do you want to come and talk to me? Come and talk on this. We do this. And I explain who's been on and blah, blah, blah. Nothing. Yeah. And you go, oh, all right. We don't want to, you don't, okay. You, you want to talk about it, but not with me. All right. <laughs> that's fine. What do you reckon that's about then? Do you reckon they kind of lose their bottle? Because it's, it can be quite, it can be quite exposing, can't it? Yeah, I think so. There, yes, there is an element of that. There are people that I know and I know them. I've known them years via, you know, through comedy and, they're, and they're like, yeah, I'd love to come on. And you go, well, all right, then let's sort that out. And then they're like, ah, yeah, mm, I don't, mm. yeah, it's quite exposing. And, but it's, but you know, when they listen to it, we're not, you know, I'm not out to, I'm not out to make anybody feel bad. You know, yeah. it, it, as you know, it's all about the guest. And so, whatever, if, if we do record something and you say something you're not comfortable with, we just, we just delete it. You know, we just, we edit it. And so, you know, I think, but people, I think, as you know, people are scared to. I think they're scared to to start opening the boxes because they're yeah. worried about what what they what's going to come out. Absolutely, yeah. I think sometimes when you t- when people talk about their poor mental health, it's almost inevitable that they have to talk about difficult relationships and things that have mm. happened in the childhood. And I think it takes quite a lot of nerve. And sometimes you don't want to be seen as slagging people off or talking about yeah. you know own family members, for example, in a bad light. You How's know. your mental health been for the last year? Um, well. Yeah, it's been up and down, I'll be honest. And I was actually, I came into the studio today and I said to producer Paul, because I have been really unorganised. Like I've made such a hash of my diary over the last few months, like worse than I've ever been. And it was it was just getting out of hand. And then I just came in today and I just I just said to him, I said, mate, I have just been under this fog of despair yeah. uh, for the last couple of months that it's just starting to lift. But there's been a lot going on in my private life, you know, that relationship troubles and you know and, and then we had the lockdowns and uh, and coming back to work and so yeah <coughs> i didn't what, realize what makes you better then what what helps do you do you have like strategies and tactics no it just it just i just felt i i think what happens to me it builds up and up and up and then one day i get so frustrated that i've that everything's such a mess that I suddenly go, like the Hulk, I just go, ah! And I go, right, I'm not living like this anymore. Right, I need to sort this out and that out. I need to make that phone call, that email. I need to apologise to everybody for messing them around. And that's what I do. I get annoyed with myself. And, uh, and uh, yeah. 
and now I can feel myself putting building the wall back up again. Like, okay, okay, let's sort this out. I don't know about if that's the same with you. I don't know if you've got. You know what? I've, I've so in within the last year, pretty much since when I when I uh, spoke to you, I've been really trying my best to to make this YouTube channel and try and oh, uh, yeah. sort of just reach out and in different ways to um, you know from writing a book to I've been on a couple of documentaries to doing bits Brilliant. and pieces and magazines and stuff, and it's really sort of tested my mentality. I think because I didn't realise that I was so fragile. So if something oh, right, goes yeah. well. Or if my view, um, sub of viewer numbers are going up, and I've just you know done done a good interview, done a collab, then I feel great about it for a couple of days. And then if that slows down, or I forget, if uh, not one negative comments, but say like a few negative comments in a row on the YouTube comments, then it really does affect me. And and I didn't think that I'd be that susceptible. I thought I was harder than yeah. that. And I think a lot of it is to do with my own impatience as well. So when when I look at other channels, I shouldn't do this, and I know I shouldn't do this, but I look at competition, I look at other channels, and some of them are excellent. I you know, have um, no qualms, but some of them, I think, produce quite weak material, and it really frustrates me <laughs> when I see them um, you know, getting tens of thousands of subscribers and views. Yeah. And it shouldn't, Sorry. but it does. And even though I know that I shouldn't be thinking of it that way and looking at it that way, it really does affect me, and I, I, so this last year has really shown me how how labile I can be. Actually, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'll, I'll use an example. This very week, um, brilliant comedians have been they've been doing they've been filming live at the Apollo, and it, it and and there's been a few comedians have made comments about not being asked to do it, and there's an element of yeah, there is not not bitterness, but there's a kind of there's an you know you're envious. You're made to feel, you know, like, oh, am I not good enough? And, and no disrespect to those comedians that are doing it. It's not about them. It's just about the industry in general. Yeah. And so there is, an, there, you know, there's a brief sort of thought. It's like, oh, I'm for, oh, oh, am I not good enough for that then? Oh, okay. Oh, I must be crap then. And then you start questioning it. And I think that was something else as well. I saw comments and things. And then I suddenly went, no, I'm, I'm doing fine. The po- I just need to put more effort into the podcast, more effort into this and more effort into that. And put more effort into work. And then I'll be fine, and that's what happened. And it started with more, th- and it just started to the fog started to lift, and and, and yeah. But I get it; you can't help but look. You're a human being, yeah. You know, but it's but at the end of the day, yeah. If as long as what you're doing is is what you want to be doing, and you're and you're and it's and, and I imagine it's doing great. It's going great guns, you know, in comparison to other things. So we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. There's there's what you should do logically and what you're uh, <laughs> what you yeah. naturally do as well. Emotionally, right? I know. Absolutely. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny. And it, it, it annoys me in my industry that sometimes the 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 the, the, the air of competition that gets thrust upon us sometimes. And you know, I, you know, I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm having a great time. I don't know why I'm allowing these things to kind of briefly irritate me when I'm having a good time like you know I've got my own gigs I do this that and the other and, it, and I should just be just pleased that I'm coming back and we're not locked down anymore you know because yeah. there are other there's other people that are in in far worse situations you know which is what we'll be talking about today you know Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah which I this is the thing like we, like you mentioned what the, the awfulness that happened in Plymouth yeah I didn't know much about it to be honest. I saw what had gone on in the in the news, but I hadn't really I hadn't really gone into it. And so I was looking at it like before, before this. Yeah. And I had no idea. I'd, I'd heard the phrase, the term incel. I didn't realise it was such a big thing. Mm. 
you know it's it's is it quite a new thing i guess yeah absolutely so would it be helpful for me to kind of explain what the yes. ideology is about for for your listeners mm. uh, so it is it stands for involuntary celibate and it's basically a movement of young men who are sexually frustrated and they're mm. virgins uh, and instead of doing what we all did when we all were spotty virgins i know <laughs> i was at one point which is kind of you know waiting and biding your time and you know, working on your game till eventually you become, <laughs> you uh, manage to get a partner, they kind of egg each other on. So they've started this underground internet movement right. where they have all this misogyny and all these hateful kind of theories. Uh, and I think they they probe each other to to try and be really sexist and be mis misogynistic and right. encourage each other. Um, and because of that, they almost weaponize this sexism. Mm. And when you get cases like this man, Jake Davison, and there's been a few other high profile cases as well, they kind of internalize it and they use the, they use the agenda as an excuse to just go out and, right. and, and commit uh, horrific violence. But to ask your question about whether it's new, I think the, the ideology behind it of being you know, frustrated, uh, believing that you're um, lesser because you're not an attractive male uh, has always been there. But I think that the difference is that now with the dark corners of the web, there's more of an acceptable area for those thoughts to fester. Because you can't just go out and, and, and say these thoughts to the average person because you might get smacked in the face. But if you find the right group of people that think the same way as you, then it kind of grows and bubbles and festers. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's very worrying. And this is it. It's funny. when they Because they just get to a point where they don't see... They don't see women as people. They just see them as... So they're just there's men I know I literally had the conversation with him two weeks ago I was, we, we were out and he was and we were walking back through this it was a busy street on a, on a Saturday night and he was going oh yeah I wouldn't mind getting my hands on some of this and I'm like what what which who are you looking at he's like oh just all of them and you're like but what for and he's like oh, so it's, you know you know what it's like you know you want to go out you just want to fuck something and you're like are you listening to yourself yeah. And I just had to walk away from him a minute. I'm like, I can't, I don't want to be around this. This is awful. But there are still men that, that think that way. Absolutely. And what's quite worrying is, and, and I didn't know about this until I researched it quite recently, is that they have, the inside movement have all these theories as well. So it's not just, I want to get laid and I hate women because mm. women don't find me attractive. They actually have quite deep I mean, I don't agree with any of their agenda, but the, the, they've thought about it, obviously, uh, for quite a long period of time. Theories. So, for example, one of the theories is that you could rank all men and all women in terms of attractiveness, say, from like one to ten. Right. And in an equal society, one should should aim for ones, two for aim, aim for twos, oh, you know, ten for tens. But in reality, according to the incel um, I, belief system, women try and aim uh, higher than they actually are, uh, which wow. which puts like a whole group of men who are at the bottom end of the spectrum who can't attract females without sort of money and possessions and nice cars and blah, blah, blah. It's all yeah. bullshit. But yeah. but the point I'm trying to make is they they think about it so deeply. They, they literally write like literature and, and theses about these. Yeah, wow. very scary. So it's almost like a, almost like a religion, like with the, with these beliefs in place and then, and then, and then, yeah, the writings and the, th it's, it's, yeah, I could, and, it, and like you said, it, it just eggs, it eggs them on. And then, because that's, that's, that's the thing is when someone else turns around and goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think the same. And that's how these things become bigger, don't they? Yeah. And then somebody says you should do something about it. Yeah. And then um, 
if there's enough risk factors for one individual like there was with this Jake Davison, mm. then they take it too far. And uh, yeah, yeah the, the results can be catastrophic, as we've seen. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, for, you know, he, well, having read the story now, and you're like, oh my God, like he took, you know, he, he, his first victim was his mum. Yeah, and then he and then he moved, and then we're just onto random people in the street, and which tells me there's some there was something else going on. It wasn't necessarily like you said they he used the incel movement was used as a kind of excuse, but something else was obviously happening with him. Yeah, so I think that he probably was clinically depressed mm. because I've seen some of the clips of what he's put out on YouTube, and he says that he's got a low mood, which is obviously very classic of depression. He also said that he doesn't have the energy or motivation or drive. So, for example, he doesn't he doesn't feel like he can exercise or work out anymore. Uh, he was saying, "I'm stuck in this rut. I've been trying to work and I can't get a promotion. I'm, I can't save any money." So he's got all these really strong negative cognitions. Mm. So I think he's probably clinically depressed. And I think his mum actually tried to get some help from a mental health service. And I think um, he even engaged with them briefly before lockdown. Mm. Um, but. The problem is, is well, there's a few problems. Firstly, he didn't. I don't think he got the help that he needed. No. And it's always difficult when you got somebody who, at that point, wasn't particularly high risk or didn't have any indications of being high risk, uh, and who doesn't want help so, because you can't really section them. They're not you know, anywhere near the threshold no. of being sectionable. So there's this big gap in the market, if if you like, where there's all these people that need help, but it's actually quite hard to enforce it on them or to, yeah. to pressurize them to get help. It's, it's, and that's the thing with this country, well, with the law, and I'm not, I, I get it to a certain extent, but they always say, like, they can't do anything until a crime has been committed. And so they can't, you know, you can't, it's not like, like the thought police, it's not like you can't, you know, like, um, like that Tom Cruise film, you know, that you can't. Minority Report. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't just, like, someone's had a thought, so they're going to go in and get them. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's a bit like that with the threshold for um, sectioning somebody as well. So uh, if people want voluntary admission to hospital, for example, it's possible, but it's really hard to find a bed. And then there's there's such a big step up of your of how risky you need to be to be sectioned that um, it's like you say, they have to do something that's actually very dangerous um, or almost do something very dangerous before they get help. And which is just a big, a big uh, missed opportunity, I think. Well, this is it. I mean, it happens all the time. You see women that have been attacked or they've been, you know, they've been murdered and and then you read the story and it says, yes, they went to the police six times, but the police were like, well, he hasn't done anything. And like, yeah, he's gonna, and I feel feel scared. And and they didn't really know, I suppose you don't know what to do, do you? Because there's, Again, there's two sides to every story as well. And but what do you do? What What's the answer? I suppose I don't, this is the thing. I don't know what you would what what the answer is. Well, I think I think there's a few potential solutions. So in Jake Davison's case, another big factor was the fact that he had a gun license, mm. which just absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, incredible. Um, he had some other issues. So aside from his mom worrying about his mental health, he had I think he had his license revoked. In That's the, right, in yeah. the uh, in end of last year, so December 2020, because he'd attacked uh, some man and and his pregnant girlfriend, and then he got his his license reinstated about six months later. So to me, that just sounds crazy. Like what? why? why? <laughs> I know. Um, so I think that was the decision of the local police force. So I think even though the UK does have really tight gun laws, I think we can make them much tighter. So, mm. for example, um, as, as well as that individual case, if you, you can't have a gun license if you've got a prison sentence of over three years or if you've had a prison sentence for over three years in the past. 
And I think it should be a much higher kind of threshold. It should be if you've got any kind of um, history of aggression, any charge of any uh, aggressive disorder, because why do you need a gun? You know, it's not like in the States where everyone carries one. If you need one for work, if you're a farmer, for example, then fair enough. But the average person doesn't need a gun. Jake didn't need a gun. Um, So I think that's one thing that can be done is that the laws can be made even tighter. This is it. Like, yeah, what what did he have it for? Just because he could. You know, I know that people have them. They go, they go they go shooting at the weekend or I know my dad did that for a bit but there were still laws you know he couldn't you can't just have it like next to the bed you still had to have if you were going to have your own gun it's got to be locked away hasn't it it's got to be uh, a, a, in a proper case it's got to be this and the other but like you say someone like that that's got a, that's got a, a history of aggression of, of aggressive behaviour absolutely yeah. not you know it's, it's, it, it blows my mind as you've just said why did they say yeah it, it's incredible <laughs> And on top of that, he was not particularly crafty with his hatred on the internet. So he posted on Reddit, he posted quite a lot of um, homophobic and sexist material. So it wouldn't have taken a lot for the police to do a a quick background check to see that he's got all these extreme views and that he's a bit unstable. So I I think, I I hate to say it, but I think some of the blame has to go towards the the people that made the decision to to give him back his license. Yeah, there was someone somewhere didn't, just didn't look they were like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. And, you know, which I, which is fine if you're a, you know, if you work in a shop. <laughs> but you're dealing with, you're dealing with lives. People, you know, this is like, now we've sadly found out, you know, this is a, this is, this is now, you know, some one, one person going, oh, yeah, all right, fine, just stamp it. You know, it's just changed the lives of so many people, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. It, it, it is such a rare event, that, especially in the UK, that somebody will go out and shoot people that it's really hard to predict. Mm. Um, but as you just said yourself, even though it is rare, the the consequences can be so horrendous that yeah. you, know, you, have to yeah. be, you have to be on the ball for every and, single application, I think. Well, this is, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And it, and what I found as well when I was reading up on the thing, and there were, you know, the, 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 the people that are in these groups, they don't take any responsibility for themselves, like for, for what's going on. Like, it's always other people's fault. You know, it's, it, you know are they not sleeping with us because of this and that? They're, and some of these people, could, I imagine, could be quite... I know what it's like. I mean, I'm, I, we can all be a bit socially awkward sometimes, and that can put people off being around you, you know, and, 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 and you know, but I suppose, I suppose a lot of us, we're, we're a bit more self-aware, so we kind of go, oh, if I'm a bit like, I know I used to be quite sort of, a bit sort of rowdy when I was, when I was drunk. So then I'd sort of work on it and go, actually, don't get that drunk then. If that's what happens to you, then rein it in a little bit. And that's what I did. And, and, and it, you know, and it sort of calmed down. But they don't seem to take any responsibility. It's always, it's always, the, the it's their fault. They won't, they won't sleep with us. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I, but then what? You know, what do we do with that? There was I've, I've read things where they've said that that uh, sex workers should be should be paid to sleep with them. You know, like like, yeah, like doing charity work, like doing social work. And you're like, that's not the answer either. Surely that's well, you know. I think one thing is that we should start thinking about them as a form of, of uh, terrorists, really, because right. what they're doing, or not, not all of them, but no. the ones that commit these kind of atrocities is terror, right? I mean, terror is when you commit extreme violence to try and intimidate um, either the public or a government behind a set of ideology. So I think we're comfortable using that term with like, you know, right wing uh, Islamists or, mm. you know, um, racist or fascist but why not incels because it's kind of the same thing really yeah and if we call them terrorists then we can use the laws to to like shut down 
uh, forums where all this um, hate is spread. So I think that's another thing. Yeah. But this is it, isn't it? Like we're told all the time. And I recently, actually, as a friend of mine, who uh, was saying that, uh, like, you know, they always sound like your phone's listening to you, like your phone's listening to you. And they'd been out with, they'd been out on a night out, and then they, and then they were saying, look, look at what happened on my phone the next day. All the videos from TikTok were related to their night out, like everything they'd been saying. And so, with that in mind, these forums must be easy to 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 get into, or to be, at least someone somewhere should be aware of what's being said. Yeah. on these forums yeah i suppose parents have to take responsibility to a degree when mm. the people that use them are quite young i mean it's different yeah. for adults and this man i think he was 22 at the time so maybe not for him but when you're talking about adolescents or teenagers they're very susceptible um and just like parents would um tell you off for watching porn or for watching violent films we should i think have some responsibility about what about knowing what our kids are getting up to online really absolutely this is the thing it starts at home so many so many parents kick off because of this and that and oh the teachers should be doing more or they should be and you're like no 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 you should be doing more <laughs> you should be aware of what your children are looking at online you it, it starts with you but but parents don't want that they want they don't in their heads they're the perfect they're perfect and little Johnny's perfect and anything that's happening that's bad from outside is from is because of outside yeah. and couldn't possibly anything to do with them I see that a lot. So in the in the patients that I assess, uh, usually when they've been after they've been arrested, so they're in, on remand in prison. Sometimes they have a mental illness. Sometimes they're suspected of having one. Mm. The vast vast majority of them have really poor uh, parenting or have experienced really poor parenting, whether it's abuse or whether it's just a lack of boundaries. And um, not all the time, but most of the time when you speak to the parents, it's exactly what you say. They just don't take any responsibility. They no. just push it onto the school, which is amazing to me. Like, it just blows my mind. You know, I've got yeah. two young kids. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm grateful for anything the school does in terms of education, but I don't expect them to, to have my two boys, to show how my two boys will grow up to be men. I mean, that's just yeah. mind-blowing that, that people would expect that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like my boys. It's, it's you know, they, it took work. Then they are top. They are top lads, and I'm not. I'm not just saying that because they're my boys. They're brilliant. In fact, they're better than I. Then, considering what sort of a what my eldest got married recently, and part of my speech, I said, you know, I said to his now wife, I said, look, we are a an unorthodox circus of a family, but you know, we are a family nonetheless, and and that's it. It's been this. You know, there's been all manner of things going, all drama over the years. Yet they've grown to be amazing men. Yeah. You know, and, it, and that it, that takes work. It takes it's what you're doing at home, like we've just said. Yeah. So many people don't they don't don't take that responsibility. Well, congratulations! In, in, Thank uh, you. Raising, <laughs> raising, yeah, uh, yeah. Two, yeah. Two and I, there was and, there was a and, moment because my my youngest can be a little bit, uh, shall we say, forthright, <laughs> and a little bit. Sometimes I have to say to him, dude, no, you have to be a bit more thoughtful than that. You know, he'll. He's just set his drums up in his in his room uh, in his new flat, and I was like, "Yeah, you need to soundproof that, mate. You've got neighbours now." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, but no, 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 no. Come on." So there's still there's still work to be done, but he's still a, he's still a top lad. Do you think it's harder to be to be a teenager or an adolescent now than it was when you were one? I th uh, uh, I think I think there was a there was a, because we weren't as aware of everything in the world. You know, you kind of, there's too much information now. There's too much, there's too much knowledge. We know too much about what's going on around us. I think there was a, there was a sort of a, an innocence 
in in being a teenager when I was growing up. You know, you kind of you knew there was there was stuff going on. You didn't really know what it was. You saw what was on the news, and you kind of it was it didn't really it wasn't really in your world. It was on the news. These were stories from elsewhere, and you kind of went, oh yeah, that's that's not good. You yeah. sort of knew that politicians were bad. Oh, most of them were bad, and you kind of went, oh well, you know. And but you didn't really know as much. But now we're just bombarded with all sorts of things. You need to be this way. You need to be that way, and and you need to have these beliefs and that belief, and blah blah blah. And you're just bombarded. It must be, it must be exhausting to be yeah. a teenager now. And then you've got your, and then your, this is all as your mind is developing, as well. So you don't really know who you are yet, and you're just being bombarded with all these things. And it must be, like I say, it must be exhausting. Yeah. So my my boys are only six and eight yet, so I'm not yet. They're not yet at the age where I have to worry about them going online, but. Mm. I can imagine that, yeah, just like you said, that there's so much information. There's so many pe- like influencers or people that have yeah. I- ideologies, not necessarily as extreme as incels, but people that are similar. So I'm going to have to be hyper aware to, to make sure that they're careful with what they listen to. And also they're just cynical enough to, to know that this person's talking bullshit, really. And I yeah. think that's, that's the thing. So when we weren't exposed to those kind of things as teenagers, but teenagers are now, they don't know if somebody that's that's talking to you on the other side of the internet is like a loser, basically, you might actually buy into their ideas, especially if you're feeling alone and you're feeling kind of marginalized and isolated. So yeah, I think that's something new or newish that we yeah. have had to contend with. Well, then the other, the other side of it as well, they are, you are, the avenues of, of uh, conversation are more open than they were when I was growing up. You kind of, you were sort of told, this is, you're a man, this is how you, this is how you behave. And there's a woman and this is how she behaves. I'm not saying that's right, but that's just how it was. And now there wasn't that kind of, oh, you're a man. You don't, you don't have, you don't, you know, if you're upset, you just push that down. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't you, at no point did I feel I could sort of turn around to my family and say, I'm really, I feel a bit, I feel a bit down, actually. I feel a bit sad. They were like, pull your socks up. You got to just pull your socks up, get on with it. Whereas now we're able, like kids are now able to turn around and say, actually, I'm, I'm not feeling great today. Yeah, which is which I think is good. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. So mental health kind of existed as a, I think maybe a generation ago when when we were sort of adolescents or teenagers, the idea of mental illness existed, but it was only kind of extreme people, the kind yes. of things that you would see, like you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and they're dribbling wrecks and then yeah. having all these delusions and blah blah blah, and they're seen as other, and they're seen as something to be avoided, maybe embarrassed about. Whereas now, as you say. Um, I think conversations opened up a lot more and it's okay to feel a bit depressed and it's okay to have anxiety. And I think part of that is, is celebrities coming out and talking about it, which is a relatively new phenomenon. And it's not yeah. brand new, but maybe in the next, in the last sort of 20 years or so. Um, yeah. But I think the flip side of that is that people become so much more sensitive. There's so much going on with cancel culture and people being offended all the time. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I very rarely actually use it. But yeah. I get messages on my phone, and probably ninety percent of them, I'm just like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's just everybody's always just intention. Well, maybe not intentionally, at least not consciously, but in some way misinterpreting something as being offensive and just arguing yeah. back. And I don't buy into that at all. No, I think there's a there is a, at the moment people are so they're just kind of vying for attention, yeah. and they they, they, they want to be the one that discovered the thing. They were like, yeah, I was, an, I was, I was outraged by that first, and you're like, why are you outraged by it? What is it about that that has offended you so much? And you kind of, it's, there's no, there isn't, yeah. Whilst avenues for conversation are opening up, with being able to talk about how you're feeling, 
other avenues have been shut down. Like you can't, we, there's no room for debate. We're now like you either agree with me and I'm right. And if you don't, then you're in you're in the wrong, and you should be shut down. And you should be like the people have different views, and we're not allowed to talk. You're, you're not certainly not allowed to be friends with someone that has questionable views. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean I don't mean if they're racist or homophobic. Of course, that's that's without question. But there are some people that, for instance, people that vote Tory, and I vote Labour. You know, it's it's that. But it's like you have to stick with Labour voters, and you shouldn't have any discourse with people that vote Tory. You know, they're all seen as the better and you go no there's a reason why they voted that way so let's talk about it you know why yeah. I vote? they don't agree with me and they want to talk about that but we're just shutting each other down I, I i can't remember who it was but i'm sure i saw an interview with a comedian recently who was talking about they were accused of being offensive and their mm. answer was fine be offended like nobody died it doesn't yeah. matter if you're offended and I, I completely agree with that so again if it's if it's very right-wing and, and hateful views that's different but of course so what if some people have like feel slightly offended by a joke or a viewpoint like it doesn't matter you're not the world doesn't have to fit around you so that everything that you hear is nice to your ears you know like yeah this is it we're not there there's this there's this strange like people yeah they want it to be like people talk about oh i, I don't feel happy today and you're like yeah well you're not going to feel happy every day that's just an, a happy happiness it's like an extra thing, but content, like looking around, you're going, actually, yeah, this is all right. This isn't bad. And I say that a lot on here. You're looking for contentment rather than sort of the extreme of happy. But people people aren't allowed to feel, they don't feel they should, when they feel nervous about something, they're like, oh, my anxieties. And you go, yeah, 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 you're going to feel anxious at some point. You should allow yourself to feel anxious because that's your that's your warning sign. That's your That's your alarm system saying, actually, we're getting involved in something here. But people aren't allowing themselves to be anxious anymore. You know, it, you, what are your views on being on comics being offensive? I think if it's because first and foremost, comedians should be funny. That's that, and, it, and and you can you can make jokes about anything. But if you're just doing things just to be offensive, if you're just trying to just piss people off, I'm like, no, you don't need to be that. There are, I mean, there are some things I say that are quite near the mark, but. They're more cheeky. They're more, I'm like, well, that was near, you know, and it's more to do with the language I'm using, not really what my views are. Like, I would, I would never, I would never make a joke about, about like the subject of rape is not a subject that I think is funny on any in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it, it's such an awful thing to happen to someone. Yeah. I don't. I, there's absolutely no way that I would joke about it. But you know, well, I've I've taken the Mickey out of paedophiles. But then I'm mocking paedophiles. I'm not mocking the victims yeah, of these yeah. people. Um, uh, yeah, and have you, have, have you ever had anybody come up to you like after a show and say uh, and tell you that they're offended or have a go at you about your material? Yes, I have actually. I had someone, funnily enough, I had someone, a guy come up, he, he, he sort of appeared on the sta next to the stage and I'm like, you're right, mate. And I'd done this, I'd done this bit that I used to have about... Um, when I was a kid and how many like the sex offenders were everywhere sort of thing. And then he came on stage. I'm like, you're right, mate. I just thought it was a drunk bloke. And he came on and he just said, and he sort of grabbed the mic and he said, how comes we can make, you can't say, and he said the M word and you can't say this, but we can talk about sex offenders, can't we? We can talk about that, can't we? And I'm like, whoa, 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 all right, mate. And he goes, you're out of order. You're out of order. How dare you? How dare you? And he, and he got dragged off by security. And then afterwards, I kind of, I brought the act on and then I went and I'm like, I need to find this bloke, find out what that was all about. And he was out yeah. and then I found him and he was out the front with his, with his, the woman that turned out to be his ex-wife, but they were still friends. 
Yeah. And I said, mate, are you all right? And he just broke down in tears and he just told me this story of what this horrific story that had happened to him when he was a kid. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, mate. Yeah, I didn't realise. And then even his, his, his now, his, the woman that he was with, she said, so look, I know, she goes, I know you weren't mocking people that have been sexually abused, but just the, the, you, sometimes you have to be aware that there might be someone in the room that this is going to be quite a raw subject. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. And it made me realise so that, that has happened, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it, but there are people that... The, I think this comes back to that the conversation around free speech. And this is yeah. a conversation that comes up a lot. I feel that free speech on its own as a thing, unconnect, disconnect, unconnected to anything else, is absolutely... Everybody has that. It's free speech. You have free speech. But... And everyone is entitled to that, yes. But then after that, as it's been said many times, there are consequences, aren't there? And that's when, you know, so you can say what you want, but after that, then that's when that's when things get dealt with, I, f I feel, anyway. To me, it's all about, like, context. So what, mm. whatever happened to that man, I'm, I'm sure must have been absolutely horrific. The very yeah. fact that he acted out like that um, kind of indicates that. But you weren't up there. You're not like a pro-pedophilia no, uh, hate monger, are you? You're, you're making jokes about the situation itself rather yeah. than paedophilia or the victims. So he didn't really have a right to, to even though it upset him, he doesn't really have a right to to break up the comedy that's going on there. No. I mean, obviously his own emotions got the best of him. But I, I think that, that comedians can make jokes about anything and it all depends on who the butt of the joke is or the, yes. the context of the joke. So while you were talking, I was thinking of Jim Jeffries. Uh, have you seen the bit he does about Bill, about Bill Cosby? Yeah. Um, really funny like I think he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's brilliant hilarious. Jim's brilliant uh, and is very close to the bone like he you know he, he basically talks about rape and he's making jokes about it but he can kind of get away with it because his whole persona is this sort of cheeky chappy yeah and he manages somehow to straddle the really fine line and make it about him saying something silly rather than about him actually meaning it yeah 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 and that is very different to a comic who is actually making misogynistic jokes where the 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 victim is the butt of the joke exactly yeah yeah but i think some people yeah. lose that um the the kind of subtleness of of exactly what the context of the joke is and that's why people yeah. get handed it happened last night it happened last night at a gig i was doing and there was a, the act was on and he was what he was talking about was the fact that people use um other people's uh, atrocities in other countries to kind of boost their own their attention for themselves so they go oh i'm raising money for this country or that country and it's a terrible thing and you're like hang on a minute you're doing this for you because what you're doing actually doesn't really help in any way shape or form what you're doing is raising awareness for yourself and that's what that's what the gist of the joke was but because the but the but the the a woman watching just got so offended. She didn't listen to the joke. Didn't listen to the context. Yeah. She just listened to him say, "I don't know. I, I didn't even know that Djibouti Djibouti was a was a country. I've only just heard about this because of this man." And that yeah. was what he was saying. It was, he was always like mocking himself, his own ignorance. But she just lost it. And she was going, you racist bitch. You racist this. You racist right. that. And she absolutely, yeah, yeah, to the point she got asked to leave. Because wow. she kicks off. So, yeah, some people don't even... They're, they're ready to be offended. They don't even listen to what's being said. You know? So, um, I dabbled in stand-up. Did I tell you that before? So Yeah, you I, did. And we still I, need uh, to get you on. <laughs> we need to get I'm, you on. I'm by no means uh, an expert by any, any means. I only did about 40 gigs altogether. Uh, but one thing I noticed, you've probably seen this far more than I have, is that a lot of open micers do try to shock a bit too much. Yeah. 
they swear a bit too much and they they try and, and think of offensive angles a bit too much. And I think that's just because they don't they haven't yet figured out what's funny or not. Or who they are as a comedian, yeah. yeah. So and I, and I think they a lot of them, some of them are actually quite funny and can make a career eventually, but a lot of them aren't funny and they get weeded out and they never get past open mic yeah. uh, level. Um, so I'm sure there are some comics that that don't straddle the line very well, um, especially the open micers. But well, that's professionals it, yeah. know what they're doing. That's it. When you first start out, you kind of you don't, you know, you've got your idols, you've got your people. You go, oh, I want to be more that. Oh, I want to be more like him or whatever. You don't really know that you don't because I remember someone saying to me. You are good enough. You you are enough. You don't need to try and be Bill Burr or Louis C.K. or whoever. Yeah. Your you is enough. And I, it took me years to get to that point to go, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, that is, I'm actually, I'm, yeah, I'm good. And going back to what we were saying about sub, talk, what, what you can talk about subject-wise, and I said, yeah, I you know, I personally wouldn't do certain jokes about certain things, but that's just because of me. But I, because I feel I don't have the skills. I don't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it justice. I couldn't do it well. And where Jim Jeffries has a, a particular set of skills that make it, that he is able to talk about these things. I think I would. It would be too clumsy. I don't think I'd get the point across that I'm trying to make. So I kind of go. Actually, I don't. I'm not going to joke about that because I'd, I. It would. It would definitely come across. I feel it wouldn't come across <laughs> how I, how I intended it. <laughs> so I'd rather just come away and just keep being cheeky. <laughs> I feel. Um, but yeah, what, so how do you, what do you feel about, uh, about offense, about offending, offensive comedians? Do you, do you think there's a place then? Uh, I very, I very, uh, one of the very first things we said at the beginning of this part of the conversation was you have to be funny first. Mm. And I don't think you could, I could say it any better than that, really. I think if somebody's, if, if, if somebody's actually funny, then there's very little that will offend me. Yeah. So being a person of color, if, if somebody's making jokes about, brown people or about India, that won't offend me if it's funny. Yeah. If it's actually funny. That's the most important thing. Um, I, I was, as, as I was saying before, I've seen open micers who I think go out of their way to be offensive, but they're not actually funny yet. But, and yeah. why should they be? Because nobody is when you start off. It takes no, practice no. just like any, any profession. <laughs> and that, I wouldn't say it offends me, but it makes me cringe. And I've, I've seen a lot of open because I, you know, all these open micer gigs that I did, especially in London nowadays, where I did this about three years ago, there was, 15 to 20 acts per open act night. And I was doing a few of those a week. So I saw so many open micers and a few of them were very good, but the vast majority were shit. Yeah. Uh, and you would see people that are just got there and they're, they're offensive. They're not funny. And it would make me cringe more than it would offend <laughs> me. Just like, Oh, I don't want to just yeah. because you could see the rest of the crowd sort of shrinking. And that offended me more than any material of what they said. Yeah. And also if you got next after them, they completely like kill the, <laughs> kill yeah. the you've now got a piece back together. The room, that's been yeah, yeah it is it, yeah an audience. It's funny about an audience. They will gel as a as a as a group, even though they don't know each other. Subconsciously, they go, "Nah, that was awful, right?" And then you and it, they're just completely switched off, and then you have to go on and try and switch them back on again. A lot of these comedians have grown up. They've watched I don't know Jerry Sadowich or they've watched Doug Stanhope. What they don't understand about people like Doug Stanhope is that Doug Stanhope is an incredibly intelligent man. Yeah. So he is actually very well read. So his place. So he does have the information to back up what he's saying. The a lot of these open micers, and no disrespect to any of them, is that they aren't well read. I'm not saying they're not intelligent, but they're not well read. So they don't have the information. So they're just going on and saying the most offensive thing that they can think of. Yeah. And you're like, you're just an idiot. You're just, you just look like you say, it's just a cliche. 
But Doug Stanhope, and especially Jerry Sadowitz, they play a character or they play yeah. a characterised version of themselves. Um, and they've honed it so that it's offensive, but it's funny at the same time. And I, I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah. What do you I have to say, um, doing stand-up for me was so much harder than, than most other things I've done. Like being a forensic psychiatrist is much easier than being, being <laughs> doing really? stand-up comedy. Yeah, because... because well, it's, first of all, it's it's quite a thankless task unless you've actually made it past the first uh, certain level when you're doing yeah. sort of five and ten spots for the amount of st- such a small amount of stage time for the amount of effort you put in. Um, and the thing that I really couldn't get past was when material worked on some nights and not on other nights. Oh, yeah. it was. Yeah. I found that so frustrating because it just didn't, you know, either you like it in which case I'll keep it or you don't like it in which case I throw it away but if I tried the same material a couple of times over the space of a few weeks and it works sometimes and not other times you're giving me mixed messages <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to do with that material <laughs> I, find I think it's so frustrating well this is it I think over time with especially with my comedy I've got to a point now where mine is more conversational so it's the same material but I might, I'll probably say it differently or in a different order and so it just sort of tumbles out like I'm just having a conversation and with that in mind sometimes you'll hit something that you haven't said before and it will smash the room. The room will just suddenly light up and, and you're having the gig of your life. You're like, oh yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And then you go, right, I'm going to remember that for the gig tomorrow. And you do the gig tomorrow and the stuff you did off the cuff gets nothing. <laughs> and you're like, but I thought, and it's because the energy you put into it because subconsciously you've gone, oh my God, yeah, I'm, I've tapped into something. And so you, it boosts it along and whatever, whatever, for whatever reason, it smashes. And then the next night they just stare at you and you just <laughs> yeah you have to be a certain kind of psychopath idiot yeah there is, an, there is an element of that isn't there where you kind of that kind of punishment that you put yourself through and also when I think it's even harder as an open micer because well first of all there's the, the nerves element but you only get five minutes yeah. which is not a very long time at all like if you've got a strong one minute to open and a strong minute to close you've only really got three minutes to play with in between yeah um, so it's it's hard, yeah. really hard work. It's I, re- it uh, is. I admire people like you that can do it for a living. Absolutely. I don't even know why I do it. I think I said to you before. I don't expect you to remember, but I've said I am fundamentally a shy person. But because I've doing because I've been doing comedy for so long, it's actually helped me, and I'm a lot more confident than I used to be. But I to this day I still am baffled as to why I do it. I love making people laugh. I know that much. Yeah. But there's certain in, in the lockdowns. Like I had other comedian friends say to me, they were like, oh yeah, but you know what we're like, we need the attention. I'm like, I don't need the attention. I was quite happy not, I don't need it. I don't, I'm not sitting there, I need to be in front of people telling me they love me. I just, I like doing it and making people laugh. I'm, I'm just a jester. Do you remember your first few gigs? Yeah. When were they? How long ago? 2004. Okay. My first, I did, I was booked to do five minutes on my first one, did two and a half. And uh, I, yeah, I, and but there is something I've said this before. After the first gig, you you know whether you want to keep doing it. There's something just just switches inside you, and you're like, yeah, I want to do that again. Yeah. It's quite yeah. It's like going down this. You know, you've gone down a uh, a, a water flume, and you're like, oh, I really like that. I'm gonna do it again, and do it again. I'm gonna do it again. This time, I go down backwards. You know, it, there's something <laughs> that makes you do it. I don't know. But it's so like, why was it only two and a half minutes then? Did you? Because I forgot the other joke I was gonna yeah. do. I thought you might have got booed off stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, funnily enough, I left the stage because I got a laugh. And then I left the stage like really early and the, and the crowd went, oh, that was, like, oh, that was quick. You know, and then I, I, I was there every month at the same gig then. But 
you know, it's the same with what you do. You know, you're, you know, what, what drove you to want to do it? Is it because you find human beings so fascinating? Um, I think I always had an interest in criminality and like violence ever since I was a kid. So from mm. listening to gangster rap to, you know, NWA, Snoop Dogg yeah. uh, as a young teenager to watching martial arts films. So I w- always had a slight fascination. I grew up with quite a quite a strict family in a fairly boring um, little village in near Cheshire, so life was a bit dull. So I think to me, I kind of it was a bit of a fantasy world stepping out to listen to all this music and watching these films. And then when I went to medical school, I just didn't really have a plan. To be perfectly honest with you, Rich, I, I yeah. didn't know what kind of doctor I wanted to be. Didn't even think about my future. Just sort of stumble through, um, enjoying the socialising part of uni and just scaping through my exams, and then <laughs> I think uh, I remember you telling end- me that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end of it, I was just suddenly a fucking doctor, and I had no idea what <laughs> I wanted to do. The rest, uh, and I, I uh, went into psych. I did a psychiatry placement while I was in Australia. I was travelling around. I worked as an A&E doctor out there first of all, and then I did psychiatry for six months, and. in an unexpected kind of manner it just clicked with me so I found that I was quite I was good at uh, being empathetic when I needed to be talking to people who either had like a deep psychosis so they were they had these delusions and they were hearing voices and to me it's fascinating to step into their world and and just talk to them Uh, or people who were at the lowest ebb who came in after suicide attempts for example uh, and I didn't know that I'd be any good at it, but I was good at it. And I mm. don't really know why I just was. Um, and so that's when I first got into psychiatry. And then I basically tried to dodge exams by by staying abroad for a couple of years. And then when I came right. back to the UK, I had to do exams to because you either stay as a, as a kind of the equivalent of an open micro, I guess, or ah. you go up the or you go up the ranks. So I had to do that. And then while I was doing my training, I did forensic psychiatry just as a, a kind of on a whim for six months. It's one of the smaller sub subsects of psychiatry. So that's in like um, secure units where people have either come from prison or directly from court. Uh, mm. And I liked it even more because of this fascination that I had with crime. Um, and I didn't even really understand what it was or even knew it existed until I did my placement in it. But you get to know so much about the offence itself and about the background of the individual because they're there for years. So in general adult wards, they tend to be there for maybe weeks, couple of months maximum. But in our forensic wards, the turnover is much smaller because the patients are such, are such high risk. So they stay in for two, three years, sometimes even longer. So you see them on a daily basis for such a long time. You get to know all of their backgrounds, their traumas, their relationships. Um, so it's the stories that really drew me in. Yeah, right. But it was fortuitous. I didn't have a plan. I just kind of no, luckily ended up in a place. I think, yeah, there must be something on a subconscious level that you were kind of steering towards. I think it was the same with comedy. I kind of, I never knew I'd be a comedian, but I must have subconsciously somewhere must have been steering towards, maybe maybe I was just, I I loved comedy. I liked pouring a pint, which is why I ended up working at a comedy club. You know, I think there must be something somewhere at work, like driving you on. Um, But going back, I want to, I'm going back to what we were talking about with the incels and, 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 yeah. I, and even that saying that the incels, I don't, I don't you know. Um, I know when that, there was a horrible story uh, of that poor woman, Sarah, that got, that got taken and, um, by that, by that uh, policeman. Yeah. And, and then the sto- and then it was, and, and then all the things started to come out and go, oh, well, there should be a curfew for women. Um, and there's that old fashioned thing like, oh, well, what was she wearing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's still, we've still got those old, viewpoints to deal with that are that aren't that i can't believe are still around you know yeah 
it's that it's kind of like why you know yeah straight away it was like oh women you know, we don't go out at night like, no no men shouldn't be attacking women don't wear your headphones at night you know like no stop attacking women we aren't dealing we're not it's easier to it seems to be easier to tell women not to do things rather than tell men not to attack women yeah, it it does seem like as a society because you you think that a lot of those archaic views would have changed from like yeah. a, our, our parents' generation, but it seems like society is almost kind of splitting into two. So you've got the people that we were talking about who get really easily offended and who are, I suppose, snowflakes for want of a better word, and then you've got these people who uh, have these really misogynistic and old-fashioned views, and yeah, you know, this is connected to the intel. Um, the belief system but also just as you were saying blaming victim shaming so blaming yeah. the women rather than taking responsibility and I think the problem is because that they're separating so before it all existed whereas now and I think the internet is something to do with this or has a proportion of the blame because of Twitter because of slagging each other off because of highlighting comments of being offended or, or making offensive comments the two groups are separating and there's no conversation anymore I think you said this yourself earlier on. If you've got a different view to me, then the automatic assumption is shut up. I'm right. You're wrong. Yeah. And that, that just shuts down any conversation. So yeah. it is scary that these groups are, are kind of moving apart as well. Yeah. And it's funny, but I, I know I was brought up with that when you'd see that a woman had been attacked on the news. And, and I know the comments around it were always like, well, she shouldn't have been out that time of night. She, she, was, she was wearing this. She was in a bar on her own. You shouldn't have done that, you know. But men aren't, I think, I've said this before, and it might be a bit too extreme, I don't know, but I think from a young age, I think men should, there should be a conversation that men, young young boys should be told, look, you know, this is this is how you should behave in, in society. This, this, you, you have the potential to be, to be not, not, uh, not attack women, but you have the potential to be a bit of a monster, you know, I don't know. You'd word it better than that, but you know, there's there are that maybe that should be more of a thing. And do you think it's the parents' responsibility overall? Yeah, again, I think so. I think definitely. I think the, it, it's it's you know you, you, you. I know there's been certain comments growing up that I remember. Uh, I think I said something when I was a kid, and my dad said, "Don't say that. That's not very nice." It is the it is the, the job of the of the parents. I think. Yeah, and it's with. a fine line because you can't just say you, if you. It's just like we were talking about before about how um, you get these two groups that that can only bicker and can't come to any middle ground. Yeah, you have to explain things. I think to kids, you can't just say that's wrong. Don't think like that. That's what I mean. Tell yeah. a child how to think. It has to be. You have to let them have the cognitive ability to think things through and understand why there's something they've said is wrong. Well, I think that's that it. Wrong. Maybe maybe that's a thing that should be. I don't know. That's taught in schools. You know, there's an actual place for it where they actually go and even if it's not kind of basics or very you know very basic terms you know how to conduct yourself around other people not just women but everybody yeah which i don't think we ever we really have yeah and i think it's a bit of luck of the draw to a degree because mm. your your parents or your family environment massively influences you um again the offenders that i see almost all of them come from a background of of poverty, abuse, neglect, yeah. uh, drug and alcohol use—they just dealt really shitty cards, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. And then they grow up to have personality disorders. They grow up to be violent. They grow up to be pro-criminal, um, and you can see where it comes from. Like ninety, ninety-five percent of the patients I see, you can you can totally piece together what their background was like and why they ended up, first of all, becoming um, criminals, and secondly, having a mental illness. Yeah, and, the, and with the two overlapping. 
and you can't really do anything about that really you i mean you can you know. you, yeah you, you can do a little bit but yeah arguably it's not it's uh, it's like uh peeing into the wind really so it's you can give people therapy absolutely if they're in one of our um, secure hospitals um, but you're fighting against years and years of bad therapy from <laughs> from their background and from their parents mm. um, and the kind of the 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 teaching that you're talking about you know about stabilizing relationships and how how to socialize people we, we do that within with our psycho psychologists within our secure units units right. but if you have somebody that's grown up in an antisocial background with parents who are violent and sexist you know for yeah. 15 18 years then it's really hard to reverse that effectively within the space of two or three years very true yeah very true actually i mean would it be because it, it seems like the because the, the, poverty in general it seems to be on the rise you know that and more and more cuts are being made by the government you know more it's in maybe that is that the way to go they they just need to invest more in people you know they, this you know the, the 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 jobs that you know people are working minimum wage and they're working more money needs to be invested in people you know yeah i think the answer to to most of society's problems is not necessarily directly money but in some ways is related to to money and and funding so everything yeah. from from youth clubs to more policing to more uh, psychiatrists and other mental health professionals so that there's just it's easier for people to access those things um to social care um, all of it, yeah. So yeah. you're right. People, poverty is increasing, but then on the flip side of the coin, people who are very rich are getting richer as well. So yeah. I don't think it's money's disappearing. I think that it's getting siphoned off towards. Well, this the is it. It's just it, this is it. It's just the rich taking care of the rich. They're not. And the, and whenever they make whenever they're making any, they don't they don't say right. We're going to tax the rich. It's like not now. Like they're going to they're up in uh, they're up they're up in uh, like national insurance and they're up in, and it's like it's always the people on the ground. They get screwed, and then they, and then they wonder why people snap and do horrible things. You yeah. know, it, it, you can't keep doing that to to, to people. Yeah, it's, it, it, and it, and we and it seems. It, it, I mean, I, 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 it just seems like we become. It feels more and more helpless. Like they're literally taking the piss in front of us, and we go, "You can't do that." And they go, "Yeah, we can," and we are. <laughs> you know, and then people carry on voting for them as well. So carry on voting for them. Like someone said, it's someone said that oh, the reason that they vote for these people is because they're a lying sack of shit as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but um, it, it's a real. I don't know. It, it really. It, yes, I I get really upset about it. You know, and it it pushes people towards uh, mental illness and it pushes people towards offending. Not not yeah. most people, but a certain cohort of society definitely. And then there's a slight irony that the criminal justice system itself has taken massive cuts. So there's been cuts in legal aid, prisons are overcrowded. Um, so yeah, it seems like on every single level there's yeah. social problems and there's just a lack of funding. It, scary, oh, it's, scary times, exactly. But it's not on the level where it, it's the, the cuts aren't made up above. Like we say, it's always they're just slicing a little bit off, a little bit more off. You know, pensions get they get. Oh yeah, you won't get a pension now until you're 85, or you know, whatever it is. There's always something they're just taking a little bit more off. I should say that it does keep me, it gives me more business. So I should be happy, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe we should all become criminal psychiatrists. <laughs> <That'd> be... <laughs> yeah, we should do that. Maybe I don't. I don't know what the answer is. It, 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 these, these are things that keep me up at night. And it, and it, yeah, it wor it does worry me that they're it, it, far from them turning around and going, actually, yeah, we need to invest more in people. They're doing no, no, we need to just the, the, the people have enough. 
Yeah. You know, they should get jobs. They should get proper jobs. They, they, it's fine that they use food banks. The fact we've got food banks. Yeah. Blows my mind. And with coronavirus, we don't even fully know the extent of, of how that's going to impact society in terms no. of poverty, more people needing food banks. Yeah. Scary yeah. times. They are scary times. And it, it, uh, I, well, I, I, I don't know. I, that was one thing I was told when I was a kid. My dad did say that to me. He said, the world is corrupt from the top down. Never forget that. And I was about, I was only a kid as well. I was like 10. <laughs> I was like, oh, Dad, keep it light. I mean, but, but, but now I'm like, no, it makes sense. It makes absolute sense. You know? Um, it, it, this is, it, like I say, it keeps me up. It does keep me up. I want to ask you something briefly before we, before sure. we wrap up. Sure. And you used, like, you used the term like, person of colour. I, I, I don't know how it makes, I don't know. Does that sound patronising to say that? What do you, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> you know what, um, and the reason I was laughing is because I've had this a similar conversation with, uh, with my wife actually. Yeah. And I think that I use, I said person of color, but I think this, the term you're supposed to use now is, is BAME, B-A-M-E. Oh. Like and, and. Oh, but then I heard that that was wrong. <laughs> I think, I think that there is too much effort expended on changing terms to make them less offensive. Yeah. So I don't care. As long as you don't, you know, use the P word, I don't really care what anybody no. calls me because it's the context and the, and the kind of the tone behind it rather than the actual words. There was a, there it was a drive in mental health to call people service users rather than patients. Yes. And I, of all the patient service users I've spoken to, not one could give the tiniest little shit about no. what they're being called. You know, they're people who've got schizophrenia, who are suffering from delusions, hearing voices, they're medicated against their will, they're sectioned. Those are the things that bother them and, and, yeah. and should be. Uh, they couldn't care less what they what the terminology used for it. I personally couldn't care less. Um, I w did. I recorded a documentary for Broadmoor um, about Broadmoor recently. It was on Channel Five, and I was talking about the Yorkshire Ripper, P Peter Sutcliffe. All right, yeah. And I gave this uh, soundbite, and the soundbite was saying that he was suffering from. Like the whole point of what I was trying trying to say was that I think that. Um, that he was actually schizophrenic, but he was sent to prison rather than Broadmoor because what he did was so horrific that the judge uh, thought because of the public view, politically, he needed to be punished or seen as being punished rather than treated. And I said on this documentary um, that he was hearing voices that were telling him to call prostitutes. And then the producer stopped and she said, can you say that again, but can you use the word sex offenders? And I was like, well, no, because the voices were telling him to kill prostitutes. You know, yeah, the, the yeah, voices yeah, said yeah, prostitutes. Yeah. They didn't not say sex, sex workers. Offenders. Sex, sex workers. Work sorry, yeah. so, sorry, sex workers, not sex offenders, sex workers. Uh, and then, so we kind of compromised and I had to re-record it. So I had to say, um, these voices were telling, Peter Suckler's voices were telling him to kill prostitutes who had been now known as sex workers. And I just remember, th I, I did it because she, she asked in a nice way and it's her program, so I did it. But I, I remember thinking with sex workers with patients service users and with people of color like myself is it actually us that really cares because mm -hmm. i don't think it really is i think it's other people thinking that are being uh, potentially offended on our behalfs which yeah. is in itself is is very kind of uh, virtue signaling and a bit attention seeking in my opinion yeah and yeah and that and it's it's so prevalent in my industry this like you say being offended on other, on the on behalf of other people and like you said, it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. But there's other things that actually need to be, that you should be offended about. And that's the, and that's the fact that the system, the system is racist. The system is corrupt. That, and that's yeah. what needs to be, that's what you should be offended about. 
not these terms. And I say that as, you know, I said the other day, I was saying, because I said that, I said, oh, well, the system's racist. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? We haven't, how many families, how many black families have you seen stood outside the gates of a stately home that was from their ancestors? Right? And there's none. This is because that, just, that's just that, what I'm saying is the system is, yeah. it's, is itself racist and corrupt. So that's what you should be focusing on. So for me personally, if, if a patient said, I'd rather you didn't call me a patient, I'd rather call, you call me a service user, I'd listen to them because yeah. that's a reasonable thing, request. But it's when other people say it that I think, really, do they care? I don't think they do. I think you care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just treat them with respect. And, Absolutely. And yeah. help them. Yeah, that's, yeah. I just wanted to, I just, when you said it, I'm like, I want to ask about that. Cause it, yeah. Cause it, so, I, yeah, I, you, you can call me anything. I wouldn't be offended. <laughs> I think I'll just use your name. <laughs> Uh, this has been spe- uh, fantastic. I'm so glad we did this again. Um, where can we find you? You have your YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, so my YouTube channel is called A Psych for Sore Minds and I dissect things related to both mental health and criminality and the crossover between the two. So for example, I talk about like high profile cases with my own psychoanalysis. Uh, I also talk about individual diagnoses and answer questions from viewers, stuff like that. So yeah, find me on YouTube, A Psych for Sore Minds. And I'm on Twitter at D- Dr. S. Das, so D-R underscore S underscore Das, which is D-A-S. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, Rich. It's always a pleasure to talk it's to you. Always a pleasure. Let's do this again in a year. Okay. And I'm going to give you a gig. I've, 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 okay. I've booked gigs now. And okay. I've got one in Hayes in Middlesex at the Beck Theatre. I don't know how near that is to you. Okay. I don't know where you are, but we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat after that. But yeah, I'm going to book you. I'm going to put okay. you on if you're up for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for yes. it. Yes, fantastic. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you for joining me again. We, we will. We actually we should do it more frequently. Okay. Than a year. Be great. Nice yeah. one. Thank you, my cool. friend. Cheers, Rich. Insane in the membrane. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.